Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. Welcome to Quote Me, a weekly podcast that seeks to encourage, inspire, and lift you up to be all you were created to be. Words are powerful. Recognizing and celebrating the impact they have on our lives can comfort or challenge us, or both at once. I'm your host, Lindsay Schlegel, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, I hope we can honor the truth, beauty, and goodness of well-chosen language, and so glorify God. Let's begin. My guest today is Erin McCall Cup, a writer, speaker, lay Dominican, and survivor of family abuse and dysfunction. Erin is the author of All Things New, Breaking the Cycle and Raising a Joyful Family, which is available for pre-order now and comes out in just a couple of weeks. Erin, how are you? I'm doing well, Lindsay. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Um, perhaps you remember that we met in person a few years ago at the CatholicMom.com brunch at... Um, the Catholic Marketing Network Conference. Yes, indeed. I do and remember that. We were table buddies. We were. And you had just turned in this manuscript. <laughs> Literally the night before. Yes. yes. And that was my, my celebration was to like actually leave the house and come to the brunch. <laughs> but it's so exciting that that book that I heard about that, I'd seen your name on CatholicMom.com a ton before. And then I got to sit next to you. And then you told me about this manuscript and now it's here and in print. And I'm so excited for you and for all the people who are going to read this book and be, um, be blessed by it. Thank you. Thank you for so much for this opportunity. Sure. So let's, um, let's start with your quote. What is wounded in relationship must be healed in relationship. And this comes from Dr. K. Alexandra Ono. Can you tell us about where this quote comes into your life, how it's affected you? Well, it's, it took me, it's funny, I memorized the quote long before I really, you know, could name the person who originally said it. I, I don't even remember where I ran into it first. I want to say it was The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, which is specifically about healing from trauma, um, especially uh, trauma that we experienced when very young. Um, and I, it, just the whole idea that if we receive wounds in relationship, the our human tendency, given that we're fallen creatures in a fallen world, is to, of course, we want to get comfort. You know, the Jesus said, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted." Um, so we are designed to receive comfort. The impact of the fall comes in where, when it's people who harmed us the last place we are drawn to find comfort 
is with people. People hurt us, so we want to avoid them. So we try to acquire that comfort in ways that will never satisfy. Um, I don't know if you, you saw, uh, but I'm also a, recovering from a binge eating disorder. So my way of coping with my trauma was not to connect with people, but to stuff it down literally with food. Um, and um, that's kind of like, that's a version, my particular flavor, uh, so to speak, <laughs> pun totally not intended. <laughs> that, that's just my, was my flav- flavor of maladaptive coping. Um, the pain was there. I wanted something to relieve the pain. And so instead of going on the hunt for people who would provide those, that safety and relationships that we need to heal, I went to stuff and surprise didn't work. <laughs> so, Spoiler uh, alert, guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> Act surprised everybody. So um, actually it's funny in the process of writing this book, I, I recognized so many of the maladaptive coping mechanisms that I had picked up from my um, family of origins sickness and had, you know, dropped on my own, but in researching and writing this book, I discovered so many more things about myself that needed to be changed and healed. And the one was, and I know a lot of Catholics and Christians are just spiritually drawn people in general tend to think, well, it'll just be me and God. You know, I'll just fix everything by praying more. I'll just fix everything by um, he by saying the right novenas or fasting on the right days or whatever it is. And I'm totally guilty of that. I was really, that, that was my draw. Like it'll God, God will fix me without therapy or having to talk to people. Um, but of course, well, I, I see how you could take even this quote that way, because that relationship there's, I, I think what you're getting at, there's a relationship with God and there's relationship with other people and both of those. So that's not a totally unreasonable starting point but it's not going to get you all the way there. And exactly. When we really surrender ourselves to God, you can't ignore where Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, not where two or three are avoiding each other <laughs> and, you know, seeking comfort in substances or behaviors. <laughs> we're two Pretty or three sure are... that's not what it says. No, that's it's not. I checked. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so Jesus gave us relationship for a reason and relationship with him. Absolutely. But there's also his presence when we gather with each other in love and there tends to be in trauma survivors. And I, I going to use that term really broadly. I, I keep running into all these people who are saying, oh, well, I didn't have a childhood like yours. So, you know, I, I didn't have trauma and here they are, you know, constantly anxious, have like next to no trust in God, you know, filling their lives with compulsive behaviors. And I'm like, you don't have to have a childhood like mine to have some stuff that God wants to heal. You know? Right. Um, so it was the, the whole relationship. We get healed, we get wounded in relationship, but we can only be healed in relationship. And that's the whole sacramentality of the Catholic faith. God wants us to touch things. He wants us to hear things. He wants people to touch us. He wants us to receive touch in safe places. That's why we have all of the, you know, our, our, sacra- our sacraments have rights. You can't just, you know, go willy nilly and like, yeah, let's call that a confession. No, it doesn't work that way. Right. God right. created these boundaries to keep us safe and to give us the safety that we need to meet people in safe places. And, you know, 
build those relationships where we where we can be healed um, sacramentally, spiritually, but also um, sort of small s sacramentally um, in the sacramental of human relationships with safety. And I think the biggest stumbling block for me when I first ran into this quote was I had this expectation that the people who had wounded me were the only ones who could heal me. That was going to be my next question was, does these relationships, do they need to be with the people where the trauma happened? Can they be, do they need to be? How do you negotiate? Thankfully, no. God is so generous. He gives us all free will. Mm -hmm. He is a total gentleman. And so if the people who hurt us, who cause those initial wounds are not willing to become safe people, God lets them be. Um, As heartbreaking as it may be for us, as heartbreaking as it may be, as however heartbreaking it is for us, it's infinitely more heartbreaking for God because they are his beloved creatures too. Um, So the good news is that God makes all things new. We are not trapped in those relationships with those people who are for whatever reason, not going to hear us. And the temptation is to say, they don't want to hear us. They can't hear us. Either of those is a judgment really on that person's heart. And that's not my job. My job is not to judge the hearts of the people who have harmed me. My job is to say, to recognize what God has created me to need, which is safety, respect, love, created me to give those things too. And if the people I want to give that to me could, or or we're going to, um, it would have happened by now (laughs) for the most part, because you know, I've tried really hard to, to fix those relationships. Um, and it's not my job to fix. There are some things that actually most things we've got to surrender up to God and <laughs> let him do the fixing. Yeah. Um, so it, it's surrendering that idea that, well, if I just pray more, one more, more novena, if I just fast one more day, if I just read one more self-help book, then those people will change and be safe for me and I can have a relationship with them. And again, if, if that were going to work, at least in my life, it would have worked by now. So there must be another way. And God creates a million different opportunities, countless different different opportunities for us to find people who are interested in being those safe people who are interested in giving us the respect and connection. And audience isn't the right word, but give and take, that give and take that we were designed to receive right. um, in relationship without that invalidation or disrespect or other variety of harm. Um, We just have to be willing to let go of the old and embrace the new and go out into our own desert to find those people. And how, how have you experienced forgiveness working into that? Because I think in things large and small, forgiveness is really hard for most people, maybe just speaking for myself. Um, (laughs) pretty sure it's kind of a big thing. I'm pretty sure if we could give better, we'd have a whole lot fewer problems in our world. Um, but how, how has this worked into your understanding of forgiveness when you're, you're forgiving someone, like you're saying, who is can't or won't or whatever, hear you out and accept your, or they're not going to make an apology or they're not, they don't want, or they can't, or whatever helping verb you want to put in there to receive that forgiveness. Cause that's so basically- part of relationship too. 
Yeah, you're asking, how do you forgive somebody who has never said sorry? Yes, yes, I am. Or who has never said sorry without the but. <laughs> I, sure. I often say, sorry, but just makes you a sorry, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, how do you do that? Um, well, hey, if you have any answer, no, I'm just kidding. That is a journey. <laughs> I'd love to say that's like a journey that's like one and done, and I figured it out, and it's all okay now. And here's the answer. Um, a lot of letting go, I think. Yeah, it, it's the old one day at a time, every minute, every day. Um, I think the first step that I had to take as um, a survivor of family abuse was to, for, you know, one relationship that was incredibly harmful and dangerous to my then possible future children. This is a relationship I cut off um, before I, when I was thinking about having children. And if you read the book, you'll read all about that. Um, Was I coming to a place where do I want to see this person in heaven or do I want to see this person in hell? And my conscience would not let me want to see anybody, even this person who has put me through hell. Um, I don't want to see that person in hell. I want to see that person in heaven. I don't want to see that person a minute before. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) So that for some people, just to be able to stop saying, to let go of, I want that person to burn in hell and to say, I want that person to be in heaven is a huge step towards a huge first step towards forgiveness. Because the one thought that's been very consoling for me is that God promised us in, I believe it's in revelation um, that nothing impure can enter heaven. What hurt me about that person's behavior was not that person's existence was not that person's status as a beloved child and creation of God. What hurt me was that person's impurity so God willing, we will both get to heaven and the relationship that God designed us to have will be restored and redeemed in heaven. And so I regularly perform penances for this person's conversion. Um, I am hopeful that this person will be in heaven and that everything we did not have together on earth, we will get that and beyond in heaven. But am I going to push for that here on earth? No, um, that's, that's the forgiveness that I have now. And yeah. it took a lot to get there. Um, and forgiveness is the first most important step in forgiveness is just to leave the judging up to God, to just surrender. And, and that's in big things like, you know, I'm never going to talk to this person on earth again, but I want that person in heaven. That's a big one. But then there are the little things in a relationship that happen where, um, well, if I just explain myself a little better to this person who is, is not giving me the kind of love I want forgiveness is actually just recognizing that person, you know, who is, is not giving me the love I want. We put that in air quotes. Um, that's what that person wants to do. And if I try to squeeze what I want out of that person, then I'm the one at fault. I'm the one being manipulative. And so I've got to let that go and forgive that person for being where they're at and be patient with that relationship for being where it's at Um, all in different places at different times. And is, is it fun a lot of the time? No, no, not fun, but (laughs) it's freedom. Because when we surrender people to being who they are right now, we are exercising our identity of being in the image and likeness of God, because that's how he treats us. You know, he treats us with the mercy of 
not squeezing better behavior out of us. <laughs> he, he's a gentleman. He, he wants us to be open, honest, and willing and approach him from a place of freedom, not a place of constraint. Yeah. And that leaves you space in your heart to let God do the work that he's going to be. To Amen. Do. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's hard. <laughs> that is-, it is hard. But once you kind of start to get the hang of it, um, I don't know, I've had even some interactions with people where I expect like something had happened in the past and I expected the same thing was going to happen when we, when we were face to face again. Um, and a priest encouraged me to let give space for God to do his work. Um, and I was surprised and things didn't go the way I, you know, and there have been other times since where it did go back to the way I expected, but this, this particular situation where I waited and just prayed like, God, please let me be at peace with whatever happens. Just let me be at peace with, with how this situation turns out. And it was the opposite of what I thought was going to happen, you know, because God is still, I appreciate what you said before about you can't force things on people and you can't expect them to change. And there's some letting go when you need to say like, I'm not going to expect or wait for this person to change on my schedule. Um, but I think you're right that we're called to wait and let the ju- like God do the judging and, and, um, and just give, give him space to do his work. Cause we don't know what's going on inside the heart of another person. Even if that heart has wounded us a great deal before, I don't know. I even think of like how long St. Monica prayed for St. Augustine and then look what he turned into a doctor of the church. So we don't know. We have to have hope because God, yeah, he makes all things new. That's my favorite scene in the passion of the Christ. When, when Jesus looks at Mary and says, see mother, I make all things new mm-hmm. and he's bloody and he's torn. And he's like about to, I think he's about to fall down again. I'm not sure how many times he's fallen down at that point, but he's like, this is really bad. And there's something else that comes after this. And that kind of speaks to the um, waiting, learning to wait is a big part of recovering from trauma, especially um, childhood trauma, which the fancy pants language for that now is developmental trauma. Because um, the the brain, the ability to wait is in the highest part of the brain, the um, middle prefrontal cortex, I believe. Okay, anybody who's like a neurologist or something who's listening, um, go ahead, shoot me an email to, if I got that wrong. <laughs> um, contact information will be in the show notes. <laughs> right, exactly. Look at the show notes. Um, but that ability to wait is a hugely human um, as in, in the image and likeness of God, human skill, that if that's in our higher brain, and if we are stuck in a place of surviving from instinct or surviving from emotion, we can't, we, it would be nigh on impossible for us to imagine waiting for whatever resurrection is coming our way. And that's why so many people fall into substance and behavioral addiction, because that's something that can take the pain away right now. Um, I, I use the word take the, it doesn't actually take the pain away, it postpones it. But um, that's, that's why that, that whole um, ability to look at the bloody beaten face of Christ and believe him when I say, when he says, I make all things new, um, that's a big leap. And that's the kind of leap we can only make if we do the incredibly difficult work of getting ourselves out of those lower brain parts of living on um, instinct or, you know, on shutting down or whatever it is so that we are able to wait for that resurrection, however it looks for us in the next moment. 
That's beautiful. Um, we do need to wrap it up there. I think we could talk about this forever, but we people could. <laughs> And read so much more about your experience and about how to heal and the things that are working for you and your beautiful family. Um, so thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Lindsay, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm really grateful for the chance to talk and share with you. And thank you for all the work you do. Oh, thank you. Friends, all things new, Breaking the Cycle and Raising a Joyful Family comes out from our Sunday visitor on June 18th. Um, so pre-order your copy right now and it'll be in your mailbox before you know it. Uh, this is our last episode of the season. This is the end of season three. We will, God willing, be back in the fall with some more. Um, but I still would encourage you to follow the show on Instagram, quote me underscore podcast. You can always contact me at my website, lindsayschlegel.com. If there's quotes you want to hear about in seasons to come, I would love to hear those. Um, and please, if you are not already subscribed, please do subscribe um, so you know when we start back up. If you enjoyed this episode, please also leave a review wherever you find your podcasts and, and tell a friend. Until next time, God bless you.